0: Welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack, and Stephen Cole. Well, today we chat about Manchester City's win against Tottenham. Yes, that other win as well that counted as a loss. Ajax against <laughs> Spurs in uh, Champions League update uh, upsets. Uh, Toronto FC's rainy night at BMO Field. The Vancouver Whitecaps, Montreal Impact, and their need for Nacho Piatti. Robert Lewandowski, is he going to Chicago? No. We'll talk about that a little bit more than Stephen there. MLS expansion and more. We just finished up the Whitecaps Orlando broadcast on TSN. We also finished up the... um Montreal Impact, and then we had some Premier League before that. We slept for about four hours and we were in TFC last night. So uh, if we get delirious and start saying the most ridiculous (laughs) things later, it's probably because we've been working about 21 out the last 27 hours. Uh, But that's okay. We're not here to complain. We're here to talk about football. And as ever, we've got Clay and Sean making sure that we are getting out on the air. Sean, how are
1: you? Are you winning any playoff games? Did you win this week? It was a draw today. Uh, So we we advanced to the finals. I'm playing my brother uh, next week. So
2: yeah. Did you ever play your brother I didn't. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh. no. I would have kicked lumps at him if I could have played against him. But we wouldn't have. Really I played against his team once, but I, w- I think I was injured. Burnley, Wigan, Gary played. I'm sure he did. He a good game, and right. uh, they won. Unfortunately, it was the season we got relegated. But I'd love to have played against my brother. Well, Been weird. Your brother's a good player, though, Shawnee.
1: Actually. My younger brother is a great oh, player. And my okay. older brother I'm is terrible about- and an that- explosive. Oh, you're playing against your older brother? Yeah, my other brother. All right, we yeah. fully
0: expect a result next week. Then a, 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 a big win. Uh, by the way, are you, are you still on the cloud nine with Spurs this week? Because oh, I mean,
1: I don't even know if I could enjoy it. It was such a so a, tense. It was so just a spectrum of emotions. And even when it was done, I was like, "What did I just see?" Yeah. So yeah, of course I'm in cloud nine, but still, it's still I just. Didn't know how to. I wonder. Hunt. I
0: wonder how many Tottenham fans like like turn the TV off when Sterling scored.
2: Yeah, you know, just in disgust. You get the Instagram videos where someone's putting a the fist through the TV. Yeah. I wonder if that happened, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. And then you get that. Oh wait, hold on. Are you tell me there's a chance.
0: Yes, there Drama. was a chance. Drama indeed. Uh, let's talk about why not. Let's talk about Manchester City Tottenham. Uh, we could talk about the third if you want. We could talk about Man City Tottenham the second, whatever yeah. you want. But uh, in the end, um, it's. it's it, just an incredible week of drama we did the game this morning uh saturday morning manchester city won tottenham nil manchester city go above liverpool to the top of the premier league for now um their game in hand key midweek will be against manchester united but in the end a controlled game for city uh but what a week between these two teams and you know you and i were apart this week but the moment that game happened we speak on the phone one of the greatest yeah. games we've ever seen no
2: yeah it certainly was we we witnessed just an incredible football match that had absolutely everything and uh two sides that were just executing their game plans that's all i can say and i, I think that city were, were very unlucky but i take nothing away or no disrespect to, to spurs by saying that I, I just thought city were amazing i know they won the game but they didn't advance through and they just took the game to spurs all day but they were just devastating mm. on the break especially in the first half, KJ, when the mistakes came, Sun was was unbelievable. But the, the the pass to get it to Sun, and the number of times that these these tremendous sides created one v one opportunities, and then punished the opposition, I thought was remarkable. Right. It was one of the highest levels of attacking football from from two sides i've seen in a long time i don't think the defending was that bad i thought that there was mistakes because of the pace of the game i was gonna say it was it was a consequence yeah mistakes were because of what was happening the pressure and the pace of the game and and people being asked by by two wonderful managers to play positive football that's why the mistakes came Mm. um and and then punished by great attacking football you know it was just the ultimate game normally I, I when I see a 4-3 game people are waxing lyrical about it I have a lot of criticisms because I like to see good defending yes. as well and with this game I had zero criticisms it was just a a game full of quality and and, um, and amazing football players and um, you know Spurs went through and they clearly played their part but I thought City were magnificent I said it today earlier today on air on TSN I think that Manchester City go through 18 or 19 times out of 20 with the way that they played, the way they took the game to Tottenham Hotspur, I thought they were really unfortunate, not just with that offside, but with a number of things that happened, I thought they were unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, we were talking a little bit on TSN about it. We can get certainly into it more as well here in terms of the... Just a remarkable overreaction from some members of the media towards Pep Guardiola's inability once again to bring a Champions League trophy back to Man City, as if like it's just available to go like buy in the store or something. Yeah, Pep's still not gone and bought this thing. Like (laughs) it's so difficult to win, and that's why we love it, isn't it? But also that the the randomness of the cup competition and how things didn't go his way, and ultimately, you know, he is he was he played an enormous part in that quality of that game being so high. And I just don't understand how anybody could have looked at that and thought it was down to the failure of Pep Guardiola. I just don't get that at all. In fact, I would go as far as to say that it was was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And I think there's so many layers to it because of that. You know, and we, first of all, VAR was vindicated. Yeah. That's a great layer of it. Again, we're not talking about controversy. We're talking about the fact that it was actually, even these people are full of people out there saying that it should never have happened. And, you know, at the end of the day, try telling Tottenham that. Yeah. Try telling Tottenham that, oh, you know, it's okay. Aguero was only marginally marginal. offside.
2: I kept hearing that word, marginally. He was only
0: marginally offside. Well, no, the rule is in place to stop you being in an advantage. You are one of the greatest goal scorers in the world. We don't need you having an advantage. So marginally offside. Okay, can you imagine if they if that had been given? Like, remember, remember this has only been rushed in this year in this yeah. competition. We could have easily been talking about right now Manchester City winning a game, get through to the semifinals unfairly, yeah. And Spursy coming out again. Oh how Spursy Tottenham got screwed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that there's a layer to that. There's a layer to the the, the Manchester City team not really having. I think really embracing this competition enough in the past and not really having that one clear night in the competition through 70 matches now in eight seasons. But that I think was it. I think they galvanized the, the, the crowd, the players, everybody was committed. It wasn't one of those nights where you can go and say, yeah, that was the city again, failing in the champions league, despite the fact they didn't get through. So I think everybody is evaluating this through the prism of who got through to the semi-final yeah. when I think it's the complete opposite you evaluate the performances the game the magnitude of the night uh, based on what you saw and and Tottenham just happened to be of a consequence and because of a few acts of
2: randomness that get through yeah and uh, you know I'm completely neutral about this like I am about most things KG um, and and so there's a number of things that, that that please me about the game please me about the situation I'm with you Marginal is not good enough for me when it comes to offside, you're either on or you're off, yeah. he was offside and so VR had a, a great moment because when we're talking about a, comp- a competition as prestigious as a Champions League and the vast sums of money that's that's given to the team that progresses and potentially wins it we don't want it decided by their own decision. So I, I thought that was amazing. Of course it took away from the, the moment when you see Pep celebrate and the feeling that you went through. But I, I think that if we start looking at Var more positively and and see it as adding to the drama, you know, there was another layer to the drama, the awesome. celebration and then the dejection of Pep Guardiola. There was a moment where he was taking off his his fashionable cardigan. He was he looked like he was suffocating by the weight and the the the, the heat or the emotion of the cardigan. It, yeah. was, it was it was such a poignant moment for me. It does Almost, keep him warm though. Yeah, it? certainly does. he Didn't it have off. it on today. It was a warm sunny yeah. day. And he didn't he didn't wear it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe never wear it again no, maybe, after midweek. Yeah, maybe tearing it off his body. That was a, a big moment. Pochettino throwing the uh, the jacket to the ground. I'm talking about the managers more than the, than the players. But um, I think. The, deflect, the deflection, the way that the the, the ball went to uh, Aguero was yeah. quite ironic it as was, well. Yeah. And that the pressure trying to win the ball back, the deflection was what made him offside. Eriksen was a lucky boy. Yeah.
0: And he actually, he fronted up on in his Instagram post as well Did by he? saying that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was very yeah. lucky. Thank you for that.
2: Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, again, Ericsson was for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the layers of the game were, were, were just there. I said earlier incredible attacking football Man City's width was just phenomenal devastating um, causing spurs all sorts of problems and then the way that they counter-attacked and and, and Sun's performance and Sun's evolution from being a a a very good player playing for Bayer Leverkusen to an exceptional Premier League player to in my opinion now a world-class player a player that could demand a hundred plus million if, if he's ever going to leave Tottenham Hotspur. Just a uh, ruthless, exceptional finisher, work great, got everything to his game, gets better and better under a manager who develops good players into very good players, very good players into great players and, and great players into absolutely exceptional world-class players. There's nobody like him in developing players. And I think that, like I said at the start of this, even though I was neutral, I had a... a, a a warm feeling that that Pochettino was Same, successful and yeah. yeah. that Spurs went through. I think they deserve that. I think the squad deserves that. And I think eventually this squad will probably break up and he might leave and I think they deserve that moment and they've got as good a chance as anybody now. They do. We'll get to that later on the prospects of that and also Son's future and Pochettino said regardless
0: of what happens now just reaching the semi-final for a football club like Tottenham what kind of reference point that yeah. can bring for them going forward is just absolutely incredible and you think about the journey they've been on by the way they, they didn't win any of their first three group games. You know you think about the disaster Phenomenal, at Inter Milan you know when they conceded two goals in the last They're five tough minutes. tough group as well. tough group which I think maybe Help them as well, um, and maybe a repeat against Barcelona in the final. You know, who are in the same group? Imagine, so that'll yeah. be not the last. By, by the way, not the first or the last time that two teams have had a, a group game and then met in the final it happens quite a lot. Um, but let's get into how that had a ramification on the group game, and I want to talk a uh, group game that the league game, and I want to talk about wide areas. So City's three or four, three of their four goals Wednesday night, pretty much very similar yeah. wide areas. The Opposing fullback very often Ben Davis I think occasionally was it mainly Ben Davis on two Trippier, of the three yeah. and Trippier on the one um, all all faced the same dilemma every yeah. time so you know they had the wide areas and they, they couldn't necessarily yeah. we talk about that a little bit tactically on TSM and then against them today and they went to a back five Yeah, and they went to a five, but they still had a similar issue on the one determined moment of the game, which was, was, was the eventual header by Foden.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a really, um, a really precise tactical play by Manchester city. And it, it comes from hours and hours in the training ground and um, you know, the high level of, of, of tactical awareness that Pep Guardiola has, it puts onto his teams. They create the width by, Allowing that central midfield player Whether it be De Bruyne Or David Silva Or Gundogan Sometimes in that area But than it was today. He goes really high and he, and he activates the the central defenders, thus needing a fullback to tuck in. And eventually they move the ball so quickly and so well that it creates a one v one situation. And it was it was destroying Spurs in wide areas in yeah. the the Champions League game. And so they went to the five, like you said, KJ, to try and create more width defensively, so there was less gaps for people to 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 run through or for Spurs to have to come extremely narrow and. In the end, or in the end, I should say, at the start, it, it, it didn't even really matter because they moved the ball so well, and it just creates these these dilemmas, these two v one situations, these decisions for the de- defenders to make. I know what that's like, having to make quick decisions against world class players. It's almost impossible. Right. It's it's what's the lesser of the two evils? They're tuck in. You've seen Rose for uh, Bernardo Silva's goal where he tucks right in so narrow because. He knows that De Bruyne is in such a dangerous position and we're always told as defenders, defend the middle of the park. That's where it's easiest to score. So you naturally are, are inclined to come inside. The ball goes out to Bernardo Silva and he, he gets a little deflected goal uh, you know, in the back of the net past Lloris and- they're brilliant at doing it. They're they're, they're coached really well. Pep's a... He, he looks like a coach that loves free-flowing football because that's how it, it comes out in the end. Mm. But he's a very precise coach from what I've read and, and what I've saw and, and heard from players that have played under him. He wants people to be in specific spots because he understands the game so well that he knows that that means a, a real decision for players to make. And then what happens is the opposition get caught really in between positions and the quality of player that he usually has at his disposal means that you can then play through that team. It's very precise and it's it's amazing to watch when it works.
0: It is. And I think it's probably now, is it not the biggest tactical evolution of the past five years what yeah. you say or maybe even less than that yeah. what we're seeing right now i think sometimes we often wait for time to go by and and have history to reflect on when very often we can reflect on the present yeah <laughs> like what we're seeing right now raheem sterling leroy Sane, edin hazard the two liverpool boys you know in salah in and and, and and mane arguably the finest wide players in the game that are all happening at the highest level in the Premier League and they've changed the game you know these are the best wide players I think I've ever seen in my life yeah consistently you know they're no longer when I was younger or when you played a lot of time. I'm sure the natural winger who would get the who would get the ball and want to go to the byline yeah it's it was always going outside of the fullback a lot of it now is coming inside of the fullback and also they have they have an ability to finish the the ball off and yeah. put in the back of the net just like a number nine
2: yeah they're, they're, they're like they think like strikers don't they they want their, their goals they want to be ruthless and, mm. and selfish almost whereas our idea of a winger was a guy who like you said went down the, the wing and put it into the box Creator. for the Alan Shearer or Les Ferdinand yeah. and whoever to score the put the ball in the back of the net now these guys they want to get into the back post. They want to cut inside and, and hit one with their their, their their strong or their weak foot. They're, they're, they're there to score goals. Um, back to Pep a little bit. I think this started at Bayern Munich. You know, we, we saw Barcelona team that was exceptional, but it was down the middle of the park mm. with, with Messi and Xavi and Iniesta. Um, but this, when he got to, to Bayern Munich, he recognised that Raybury and Robin particularly were at the absolute prime of their yeah. careers. And he had such intelligent fullbacks that they could tuck inside. And that's when we first started to see the inverted fullbacks. Why did they tuck inside? So that they got a team really narrow and it created 1v1s in wide areas. And your best players were in wide areas. You didn't want Robin and Ribery to work like a conventional winger where you're, you're running 60, 70 yards, taking away vital attacking energy coming back mm-hmm. so he created a system where these fullbacks came in they clogged up the middle of the park and then the, the exit ball was to the white guys and they, they devastated them like that this has went on to another level with, with the way that he's playing his, his tactical brain has moved his his ideology onto that other level where he's getting into these guys higher up uh, with space and time to attack in it's it's phenomenal to watch isn't it and, and yeah. he's made real superstars of um Sani's still a bit of a work in progress. I still think that he has mental issues of really listening into to what Pep's asking for. But the development in Sterling, he's making a superstar out of Raheem Sterling. Yeah and Bernardo Silva who was an excellent player but is now again becoming a world class player because mm. his consistency is, is remarkable they've got Pep to thank a lot for that
0: Yeah Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva one of six players who were ne- <clears throat> excuse me, nominated in, t- in terms of the top six players player of the year um, in the Premier League that was announced this morning yeah. and um, I'm sure it won't be one of the top ten players in our top 50 yes. uh, that will come up very soon yeah, as well I've that, started that. that you need to start working on <laughs> um, very soon Stephen started it he's got a notebook at home and he's and he's just wrote uh sterling and van dyke on it so far but you know 48 more 48 more to go you've got a few a few more weeks um before we get on to our next game in toronto fc i suppose the last question on this is what are the ramifications for the title race because i always felt actually i felt that you and i both had a very strong feeling that spurs could do this yeah but i think we also felt that if spurs were going to do this City were going to do the league. Yeah, I don't think we felt that this team was going to. I don't want to use the word bottle it because that doesn't lose both. Lose. Yeah. I don't think it just didn't feel like it, and we said all along. Well, I certainly did. Palace game. Tottenham game Manchester United game win them three yeah, and I think they'll be in a massive position with, with with what's to follow and I, you know it's coming down to that game Wednesday but I have to say the way City played today made me get even more assured that it looks like it's probably going to be four out of four for them to go it'd be a, I think they'll get to a point now let's say that it'll be a massive shock if they didn't
2: Yeah it would be a big shock they would need to drop uh, points in the game that, that we don't expect them to uh, I think that when we're talking about winning, it's it's really all about winning. But this team are are, are so close in every area. It, w- it would be a shame, uh, and I, I'm nothing away from Liverpool. They're pushing them extremely close. But the the criticism that would come Pep Guardiola's way would would be unjust because. Yeah, when when you get that close in, in in games of this magnitude, it's 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 fine margins and and they're in another fight for the Premier League where it where it's going to come down to that and again it's going to be a team that, that's going to get two teams are going to get ninety plus points so um, someone's got to lose unfortunately there was a year uh, Celtic went to the UFO Cup final I think it was o two or something like that or two or o three and they they lost the UFO Cup final to Porto. Um, and then they lost the league. They right. won 9-0, I think, at Kilmarnock and they lost the league to Rangers. And so they, they won nothing. Yeah. But they were an excellent, one of the best Celtic sides in the last 25, 30 years. And this is something similar to that on an even greater level where you've got a team who are, are absolutely exceptional who, who might potentially lose out in the, the two big trophies. And that's testament to the teams that they're playing against, the level that football's got to. The fact that Pep Guardiola has played into that, KG, he's created this um, level of of the game mm-hmm. in English football because, let's face it, an English team beat them in the Champions League and an even better English team are competing with them for the Premier League. He's asked everybody to be better. He's challenged some of the most historic and best clubs to go and spend more and be smarter and recruit better managers yep. and... and um, and 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 really try and stay and hold on the coattails, and that's what he's. But that'll be his legacy for for English football, in my opinion, and, and for Manchester City, his legacy still being developed. We'll see what that means in terms of trophies. But for English football, he'll certainly have a chapter in what it means to the game.
0: Yeah, he will. And as the great Xavi Hernandez and predicted, Pep Guardiola will be the one who could change English football. Yeah, that's <coughs> and what we're saying. There is what it really? we said. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And a reminder that it is Manchester United away, um, Burnley away. Yeah. Leicester at home and Brighton away. Yeah. Are the other four games to come uh, for Manchester City. Um, let's come back to domestic stuff now. And we were both at a very rainy and very cold BMO field on Friday night. Yeah. I say we're all... No, me and you. Shawnee didn't go, I don't think, Sean. Never is a, made it. No, fair, fair weather thing. fan. Oh, <laughs> I got a jinx. There you go. I thought you were bigger than a fair weather fan, mate, to be fair. I just presumed you would be in the in the south end. But you know what? All your mates listening to this, I'm sure won't remind you of that at all <laughs> this week. You know that you're a big-time big TFC fan. But anyway, uh, we were there, mate. Yep. We were there. And um, ultimately... It was a strange match.
2: Very strange.
0: I'm not quite sure why we can start with this. Like I, I, in a four-three game, usually you talk about it being an amazing game. Well, look, we just did Man City Spurs. Yeah. This was not an amazing <laughs> game. This was very, this was a very different four-three. Um, a lot of layers to get into this from a different aspect. Uh, but in the end, I think we should start perhaps in TFC's ability to win a game again that looked like it was lost.
2: Yeah, yeah. We we um we sit here before. Games and we we try and predict, don't we? We, we try did. and think what we're going to see. Yeah, I did not expect that. No. I'm not talking about the goals. I'm just talking about the the way the game went. TFC sitting back, living behind the ball. I got the Quintero bingo penalty call. Yeah, you did. I you that, called that before called that. the game. Good yeah. shout. Uh, but I. I didn't I thought Minnesota would sit back and try and hit in the break. you have seen defending defender for long periods of that game so it's certainly in the first half just sitting back puts well and Altador trying to get behind the ball two banks of four really strange tactics not I didn't expect it and and it allowed Minnesota Um, I may be doing them a bit of a disservice Because they played good football But TFC really played in that game plan They came back to the 18-yard box And Minnesota dominated the ball Played some really good football um, Rodriguez was excellent up front Cantero was finding space between the lines even though they were dropping back which which tells you about the vulnerabilities of their defensive probably shape probably his best game this season he was excellent wasn't he was, he? Yeah. he was like Quintero last season yes. when he was devastating when he, he first got there he looked like he had the bit between his teeth and he was really up for it yep uh, I thought it was brilliant, and the 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 width from Metinier, who looks like a great pickup from yeah, Minnesota, yeah, in right the right back row. The, the Frenchman was was excellent as well. Finley was smart. They were dominating the game, and it was one nil. In my opinion, it was it was comfortable for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. One clearance and one minute and ten seconds later, or okay. add another ten for for Well to put the first one in, and it's two one through yeah. just sheer magic. From the designated player It it came out of nothing Didn't it It was just like A game that was That was really uh, Going in Minnesota's favour But as well With one breakaway Just changed the whole complexion Then his second goal Was was a ruthless Devastating finish And all of a sudden We were off to the races But it became strange yet again Didn't it (laughs) Yeah, it did.
0: And you know, like I said, there's lots of layers to get into this. First of all, you say strange again, I think we need to mention in case I forget. So they're up 2-1 and already they've been up 2-1 this season against Chicago and up 2-1 against New England and given away leads. Top teams don't give away yeah. leads up 2-1, mate. Three times already. Yeah. Now, they may well prove to be a top At team. At home as well. Eastern Conference looks really weak. I think that will be needs to be talked about. But look, they've clearly got one of the greatest players in the league, in Alejandro Pozuelo, who can score, I think, more goals than a lot of people thought he could in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Based on his his goal-scoring his goal record was moderate, but not what we expected. It, I mean, he looks like a player who might get... He might get you 15 to 20 goals. That's how good he looks. Um, And we did a lot of work this week. We showed some video in the pregame show about his combination with Altidore. I spoke to Josie about that this week. But I did feel like his goals came at crucial times. I was down in the sidelines. You could see that the TFC got some confidence. The nerves went away a little bit. And Minnesota got edgy. So that's the thing. You know, we can talk about the tactics all we want. But when you've got a game breaker like that to score the goals as he did... That's that. That does help TFC, you know. Yeah, it definitely helped them in the first half, despite what I've just said and giving away the lead in the second half. I think that those goals, even though they are moments of 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 magic, um, I don't think you can be relying on them all the time. That's my point.
2: No, you can't rely on them all the time. It's it's okay against a a team who are defensively vulnerable like like Minnesota, but if you're playing against one of the the best teams in the league, the uh, the Seattles, the LAFCs of the league you're going to find it difficult to come back. The game would have been done and, and beyond you by that point, KJ. But um, back to the confidence that you said that it builds in the team. <laughs> when you have a player that exceptional and, yeah. and that sort of above the level, it, it, you see him do something like he did for the first goal where he just breaks. He never um, stops running with pace. I think that was crucial. And when it's a 2v2 with, with Altidore and well I'd, I'd back them against... Every defence in the league, every any partnership in the league, and he and comes back inside, puts it in the back of the net, And like I said, it's, it's 2-1 right away. And all of a sudden, their confidence grew. And I thought, okay, they're going to go on now. I really thought at that point, don't know what you thought, I thought they were going to go on and win three or four probably with a setback that that would have gave Minnesota mentally. And then they come out for the second half and it was just flat again. Ended up defending for long periods again.
0: Same again as Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Same again as New England. Yeah. Same again. Same, same again. Um, I, I think there's a, there's an alarming lack of technicians in the team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, like Minnesota have more technicians, I think, than TFC. Yeah. And I think that allowed them to dictate the play early in the game. And and I guess this comes back down to midfield. I'm watching the game and it's 1-0 and I'm thinking, how are you going to get Pozuelo in the game? He got himself in the game. Yeah. He proved me wrong. And, uh, you know, it would easy, if I'd come on on the written TV and said that, which I didn't get it in the end, I wasn't able to get on. Yeah. But if I was doing your job, I probably would have said yeah. it. And I would have been made to look like a fool. Yeah. But that's the game. mean, that's the opinions. That's what we're in. We don't of care course. about how we look. No. But I'm talking about genuinely. How do you get him in the game? And um, as they were defending for large periods, they're playing. It's basically 4-4-2, mate. Yeah. It's 4-4-2 with Azorio as a left winger. That's how they did it. was, it was, and Pozuelo's being, he's playing higher than he ever played. I saw him play at Genk. Yeah. He's like at Genk, he was, he played in there occasionally. Midfielder, four three three, 4 3 3, a bit more balanced to the team, a bit more what we thought TFC would have. And again, I've used that word, it's an unbalanced squad yeah. for me. And, and I think that's a concern going forward because, we can talk about defensive issues if we want and we can do that here if you like. I mean, Greg Vanny told us that he spent the week showing his defenders some clips not to be as aggressive, used Atletico Madrid as video clips as well. He's showing them some of the greatest defenders in the world. Yeah. How you can give them a little bit more space. You can speak to this way more than I can ever do. Don't be aggressive. Mavinga's aggressive gives away the penalty. But those are moments in boxes, Pozuelo, Mavinga. We can all get into, but I want to get into the other bit in between the boxes, and that's dictating the play. And I think that if that get if that doesn't improve, then they're going to give up leads and they're going to struggle to truly, truly control games like the best teams in MLS.
2: Yeah, um, it's hard to be critical of of one player over another, but the balance is is not really there. You have you have Bradley. Pretty deep at times, too deep in my opinion. I keep saying it's like a, a broken down record, but he is too deep, and so he's not really dictating the play. He's playing like a central defender who steps forward and then doesn't defend. And, and his partner at the moment is Marky Delgado, and he's just not good enough on the ball. He's, he's you look at some of the midfields around MLS now, the quality that they have, the the players that can dictate the 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 play and the the tempo of the the play, the possession. Are, are better players than Marky Delgado. And so I think he's in the wrong role there. I think that if TFC really want to, to win MLS Cup, Delgado to me is a player who plays some teams in different formations, but he doesn't play in, in your best team. I think Azorio should come back into that area and and they go and get another player to play in Azorio's position uh, who can probably possess the ball a little bit better. And, uh, Sorry to so Possess the ball a little bit better, but also what I would
0: use the word, sustain attacks. Yeah. Because then when you go into the final third and, or you press or you have the ball, it's if you lose it, it's about getting it back. Yeah. And when they lose it, they don't have the technicians to sustain it.
2: Yeah. That,
0: that's my point.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the way that they, they, they sort of box a team in is, is off. You know, I, I, none of them think like defenders. Mm. None of them. Alro Larea you know midfielder Larea fair enough but he's playing right back doesn't think like a defender Alro's right back wants to go forward Mavinga and Simon want to step into things wonderful on the ball don't think like defenders Justin Morrow's a left back slash left winger he can defend but he doesn't think like a defender Bradley's the same so he could go on and on about their entire team none of them there's not one guy in that part when Drew Miller's not there going like okay like I used to think, what's going to happen here if this, if yeah. the negative guy, okay, this might break down, this might happen here. What I was good at was you go there, you go there, you stay back there, getting everybody in position for what might happen right. from a, 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 a team on in the ball, on the ball, sorry, and then being counter attacked or, or, or giving the ball away. So the spacing's better by someone organising that, two or three people. They don't have that in the team when Drew Moore's not playing. Michael Bradley doesn't think like that he he likes to come deep to get on the ball to dictate the play when he's playing well he's a massive part of that but there's not enough players round about him and MLS 2019 is better than MLS 2018 is better than MLS 2017 it's going 2017. to keep going mate. it's going to keep getting better you look at the recruitment from players from all over Atuesta Mark Anthony K. yeah um uh, Beckerman and Everton, uh, 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 Salt Lake. That's right. Yeah. You know, we could go on and on, Svensson and Roldan. Oya
0: mm. uh, Sanchez and Sporting Kansas City. Yes. There so so they're yeah. all over.
2: There's, there's players getting, the, the recruitment's getting better. We're getting better and better quality standard of players in the middle of the park who dictate the tempo and the pace of the game. And TFC are just a little bit wanting in that area, in my opinion, at the moment.
0: Yeah. And, and look, they, those are crucial areas that we believe they need to look at to go forward they're clearly going to score goals they are averaging three goals per game yeah. three goals per game it's absolutely remarkable they're going to outscore goals teams for fun yeah. um, but for sustain to, to, and I think that's the word I keep using to sustain the attack to sustain the success the overriding factors to control the game yeah. and not just rely on individual moments of brilliance I think those are important as ever we ask for your um, comments and there's many hashtag ask AFP we read them all and we do really appreciate you listening and your feedback Trevor asked us on that tactic does it make sense to swap positions for De Leon and Larea De Leon's movement is great but Larea is more offensive I don't think Larea is going to play as much particularly with Arrow back yeah. and De Leon is a decent fullback but I think it's clear hearing a few things and watching him play that yeah. he's attacking juices are better when he's further up the field
2: yeah I'm I think that when Auro's injured, Larea's a pretty good replacement from an attacking sense, somewhat similar. I could see Larea becoming quite a decent right back, but you'll never really think defensively. So I would be inclined to play De Leon. I think in terms of power and and sort of tactical sense, I think De Leon might be a a decent option at right back, but they should have an out-and-out right back. They they have Auro, who loves going forward, but they should have another defensive right back and let's be honest tell us your opinion was never replaced no but you like you would quite like Seaman and Seaman's right back yeah
0: I'd play him at right back
2: yeah so maybe that's an option that that there's a bit more solid TFC when they go to one of the more difficult away grounds Seaman at right back Moore, Mavinga and Morrow it's pretty solid back four your fullbacks don't get as high as they used to this is not a 3-5-2
0: where they played a lot when they won the fight the MLS Cup, yeah, or even when they got to the final, they're not getting as high as they used to. Even our O-U, when he first came in, people thought, Oh, this is great, he's our you know, guy who can bombard down the, the yeah. right touchline, and he can be the guy he's not even getting forward that often. Like Lawrence Seaman can do that because he sleep, yeah, in my opinion. And if in some areas, I would I would have him right back, and I'd have Drew Moore, and I'd have Mavinka, yeah. play him all together as a right and, and Justin Morrow, and that could be a really good back four,
2: yeah, it really could be. And I think that part of Greg Vanny's plan is to try and have them that little bit deeper so they can can draw a team out a little bit. I think he expected, I think he he didn't expect Minnesota United to come in and and, and take the game to them so much. He thought he was going to have to entice them out and I guess a few teams will come to BMO and play like that. We've been saying for a while now that is the wrong tactics against TFC. Minnesota United have proved that. If their defending wasn't Absolutely abysmal on Friday night. They would have won (laughs) the game. It was abysmal. (laughs) It really was. They would have won the game comfortably because they went on the front foot. They took the game to TFC. I don't think Adrian Heath could believe they lost. They
0: couldn't last night. Um, Justin asks, and thank you for the question Does Jordan Hamilton's performance this season cement his place replacing Josie while injured? Does he have the advantage over Akinola? I'm not sure he has the advantage over Akinola. I would say that right now, um I can all have squad already this year as well they're pretty much in a dead heat but significantly if there's a race going on Altador's like well ahead yeah these lads are halfway around the track and and, and Ter-
2: Terrence boy's getting his shoes on isn't he <laughs> he's he's uh he's behind it's it going on for there. sure yeah that was uh he's not on the race not even on the track is he's he? not he's not and I don't know it's pretty unfortunate social media post the other day where the poor lad got megged twice in the boxes I was there, yeah. in I was, quick succession. I was the training. <laughs> lying flat in the ground. Yeah, he's he's had a tough start to his TFC career. I, I think Hamilton's in the lead. Uh yeah, just yeah. Be- well only because I can all still got a long way to develop before he's like a number nine who can lead the line, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, he's a good player, excellent player, and he can play different positions, probably more positions than Jordan Hamilton. But if Josie's going to be out, especially after the two goals, Hamilton's going to get a chance. The issue is that Greg Vanney doesn't trust Jordan Hamilton. And rightly so. Jordan Hamilton's not done it consistently enough. He's going to have to prove it consistently enough. Now, is it him proving it, or is it Greg Vanney giving them a chance and, and, and giving them a sustained Chance if Josie is going to be out for a few games, who knows? But uh, we we'll need to keep an eye on that one because there's not a really solid replacement there, is there? Well, they
0: haven't replaced, I guess they have replaced Javinko,
2: but it's like you can't have it all.
0: Like they had Javinko and Vasquez, yeah, and Vanderweel. And I know that you know they've, they're working things out and they're still trying to get players in, but. They haven't replaced them no, all, have they? No, you know, they're not like Imagine if Altidore gets out for a while, they're going to be in a right mess, aren't they? Yeah,
2: they, yeah because they replaced Vasquez and Jovinko with Pozzuolo. They replaced two players with a hybrid one. We've already spoken about how yeah. good he is. but With maybe one to come. Yeah, they, they need that one though. They need, and they, they, they need it to come pretty soon, don't they? Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Um,
0: anything else TFC-wise before we move on? Um, I know Altidore's comments made a lot of news yeah. <clears throat> after the game. Uh, I don't know whether you want to go there or not but at the end of the day well
2: I, the only thing I've got to say in it is that I can see why he's frustrated and he's angry there's ways to go about it and I just don't think he did it the right way and you can't call out a president you know It's in the end of the day he's your boss mm. he's in charge of the club I expect a reaction from TFC because uh, nobody's bigger than the club the old statement nope. comes into play and he needs to be reprimanded for it and and uh, you know, he's a strong character, Josie, and it's the way that he plays and it's part of what makes him great. But you just can't come out after a game especially after uh you know um, what happened with his injury and call it a presently, like it was that. a bit soap opera wasn't it Let's It was <laughs> it
0: was like Chris Finch calling out David Brent a little bit I mean <laughs> Finchie. Finchie, you know what I mean like and I'm sure Bill Manning will not want the recep- the perception of him being David Brent so uh, we'll just we'll just leave it there uh Whitecaps Orlando Whitecaps also played LAFC this week two games in a round yeah days. um both ending 1-0 1-0 against LAFC at home and 1-0 uh, away to Orlando with an 88th minute loss to I uh, think Nani got the deflection. He was given the goal in the end. Sasha Klesch didn't give a shot in, but it was given to Nani. So funny how the game works sometimes. I think if you'd offered Mark Santos two 1-0s yeah. at the start of the week, he would have probably gone, yeah, okay, that'd be fine. LAFC's <laughs> tough. We'll beat Orlando 1-0. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. It worked out the opposite way. LAFC looked a little bit uninterested. Bob Bradley very critical of the field after the game in uh, in Vancouver that you were at. And then probably... Did enough to get a point in Orlando. They certainly should have scored. Bomb had a chance about seven or eight what minutes prior to that. A golden opportunity. A, a cagey game, not a, a a wide open game, but very much a game they should have got something from. But in the end, 88th minute, they, uh, they get nothing. So uh, an up and down week for the Whitecaps.
2: Yeah, up and down. Uh, first of all, uh, BC Place, Wednesday night, excellent performance. Really nothing to lose. It was the first time we saw them play pretty free and we we started to see examples of the football that Mark De Santos has been telling us about that's what's coming for the Whitecaps. I was impressed. I thought they got anxious. Obviously, so you know they need that victory, but they got a bit deep and tried to defend and, and, and see the game out, which they, they just about did. They got the one, they'll win the three points big for the club, big for Marta Santos. And hoping that they were going to build on that, Casey, and go into an environment in Orlando where they can. Um, I don't think Orlando are, are, are a particularly good teams, So I thought it was a chance for them to go again and express themselves and be positive. But unfortunately, we started to see the first six games of Vancouver Whitecaps where it was a bit tentative, a bit boring, if it has to be said, and lack of cohesion from an attacking point of view. And when you play like that, a game they probably should have got a point from, you're on the risk of uh, losing a late goal, yeah. which is what happened. And, it, you know, fortune favours the brave a team that are brave, that get bodies forward, that try and play with attacking football. I think all in all, fortune favours that team. Fortune gives them, uh, or or fate gives them, the, the benefit of, of little things. And when you, you sit back and you just kind of hope that things happen, that's what happens. A deflected yeah. goal goes in the back of the net. A couple of observations for me.
0: Um... Reina and Montero together, I liked, I yeah, think it gets Reina in the game a little bit. I think both of them have the, have a bit far too much of an ability to drift out of games for far too longer periods. And this keeps them a bit interested. Um, in fact, Reina was often more of attack minded than Montero, like leading the yeah. line, pushing the defenders back with his pace, Montero operating in the space a little bit more. They did play a five, three, two. So keep an eye on that, whether that will be continuing. Um, the other thing I would say is that, again, they lacked possession against the team and they continue to get out-possessed by teams when they came out with guns a-blazing with ideas yeah. at the start. Now, I think it's important to note that I don't necessarily think that's an indictment on the manager. No. I think it's clear that he still wants to see him play. And I thought in moments today where Orlando put pressure on them, they tried to play their way out of trouble. And yeah. that says everything about the the way they're trying to change the style. For me, it's just down to talent. Yeah. You know, you can do whatever you want and bring all the qualities you want about how we want to play the game. But at the end of the day, you come up against a better team, and then not necessarily an amazing team, Orlando. But in some areas, they've got better players. Yeah. they could keep the ball a little bit more. I mean, they brought such a question on, like you know, the, course, quality a quality mo- player on a lot of a lot of money, even though sorry. he's not been playing well. You know, in the end, I thought they just the the they, they lacked that quality to keep the ball, you know, and then that might be that's what we're going to
2: get used to this year. I still think there's going to be, you know, better moments to yeah. come, but do you know where I'm going with this? I know where you're going. Uh, I'm going to try and answer it. what I think um, is disappointing in that, yeah, you're right. They probably don't have the talent that can play the type of football that he wants, but we're not seeing them lose goals by that talent being brave and giving the ball away in dangerous areas and then being punished. We're seeing that talent be reluctant to play the football that would concern me if yeah, I was Mark point. De Santos because I'm thinking back to maybe my time at Wigan or something like that where we, we we played a lot of great football and we weren't that talented and we were always down near the bottom of the, the, the Premier League I was only there a year but I watched them closely my brother was there longer but every player that came under Roberto's reign understood what kind of football he wanted and it was either play that kind of football or pack your bags and go and play somewhere else. So if you don't want to get the ball off the goalkeeper from a goal kick and you don't want to be a centre-half who can put his foot in the ball and wait for people to come at him, you're not going to play for his team. And so I'm wondering when that'll happen because I think it will happen with Mark Santos. I think he will ask people to play that type of football and I think at the moment, he's still um dealing with players with fixed mindsets who giving know them their limits benefits
0: the doubt is he not a little bit
2: he has given them benefit of the doubt he's asking who wants to come along in this journey yeah. he's testing the ones who want to grow and learn and buy in basically and at the moment he's having a little bit of a battle because uh even though he's, he's keeper for example Kripo has been magnificent he was particularly angry with him the week before because yeah. he wouldn't play the ball out against Chicago from the back. Right. He wanted more, and so that's what I'm saying. He's got this this fight with these fixed mindsets. These players that have played a certain way because someone's told a certain centre half or full back or goalkeeper don't take chances, don't play the ball there. This is tough when you've been told that for 15 years yeah, or 12 years or however long it's been. It's tough to change quickly. The ones that are going to change will be along in this journey. The ones that are going to stick in that fixed mindset and they're going to just play the percentages and lump it forward or kick it out of the park. I don't think it will be along in it. I think Mark De Santos will move them on eventually.
0: Yeah, I agree. The ones that are going to change are players, not him. Yeah. For a young manager in his first major job... He's very confident. He's also very honest. He'll stick to it. He'll stick to it and he'll tell you. Will he not? Uh, Final question before we move to Shawnee. Uh, Marcus asks, is the door open for McMath to win the job? Or at this point, is it just rotation? What we know on the record is apparently it's just rotation right now. Uh, We're going to see more and more games coming, thick and fast opportunities. But let's be honest, it's this is still a, a wide-open battle.
2: Yeah, it's a wide-open battle. It's been a terrific start to regular MLS football for uh, Max Cripeau. But you have Zach McMath, who's a, a solid goalkeeper there. He's, he, he's played a number of games in MLS. So I think this is a... A bit of a fight Like I say I think Kripo's been magnificent But it has to continue To be that good Otherwise You know you've got McMath sitting there And and, and more than capable Pretty solid game today Again from him And like I just said It may come down to The ball at the feet Different things to the game uh, Experience Demanding things Leadership Max uh, Kripo is probably a little bit behind Zach McMath in that regard at the moment KJ so uh, Cropot has to evolve his game has to get better he has to show his manager that he's going to be a regular starter make saves of course one of the most important things but also dominate from the back and be a leader as a goalkeeper.
0: And Cripo won the job because they had a terrific preseason yeah. and Mark DeSantos saw at that moment he needed people to buy in and he brought that and he was very quick to buy in yeah. and every credit. So um but yeah still an open uh, competition much like the TFC goalkeeper one as well, which we haven't addressed this week, but we did a lot. But uh much like that with a very much of an open competition with yep. a rotation to come, I guess, in the next few games as well.
1: Moving on to headlines, uh, Montreal Impact fell to the Philadelphia Union 3-0. In the last five matches, without Ignacio Piatti, the Impact have only scored two goals. Is this due to Nacho not being in the lineup, or is there are they tactically too safe?
2: Do you want to start this one, mate? I will do. Uh, they're missing Ignacio Piatti, as a tremendous football player. Uh, they're also missing Ignacio Piatti, the captain a guy who insists on the way football gets played by that team, who buys into the the, the counter-attack style, but makes sure they play and pass in a way that he gets the service and the ball at his feet in dangerous areas. And from what I saw Saturday against Philadelphia Union, it was a really disjointed attacking display. They tried to play it too quickly into forward areas. It didn't work. There was no passing through the lines. It was, it was very... Uh, very few very uh, good attacking moments where they, they, they were sort of cohesive as a group and they played little combinations maybe at the start of the second half was the only time that I saw that so um, yeah you're always going to miss Piatti's ability to to score goals and to create goals but I think they're missing his leadership as well KJ when they play football
0: I completely agree great point the other thing that they they have is that if they give away a goal like they did today <clears throat> the 1-0 goal with Lovitz yeah. the way they set up it's an enormous climb back. The yeah. 1 0 deficit feels bigger. You know, I know they've got that one goal and um, that one win against San Jose, first game of the season, where they did win a game from behind, but they're not going to, the record from when yeah. they've gone behind over the last few years has been terrible with Piatti. So when you're not got him on the field, the other thing is, is um, uh, this weekly segment, I keep talking about MLS 1 and MLS 2 again, <laughs> but like, do, do, like, they had Alejandro Silva. Yeah. And they let him go, four million. And they didn't really replace him. Now, they think they've replaced him now. But right now, we've had a lot of games away from home already. And they played a Quanquo, and they played Neville. And they're very inexperienced slash young slash, you know, going to make mistakes. You know what I mean? Now, they brought a new guy in. Um, we don't know his name because we, we know, we do know <laughs> his how name. We his do know name. his name. So this is um, Omar Brown, Omar Brownie.
2: <laughs> what are you calling him?
0: Uh, we've been told to call him um, Omar Brownie. Yeah. So Omar Brownie and, and is the guy who's... But
2: <laughs> I've already called him Brown for two games.
0: I, I'm sorry. It's really <laughs> difficult. It's Omar Brown, but we have to do what we're told. Um, Omar Brownie um, has been bought and yeah. he's got to be the guy, no? Yeah. Because he, like, he can do that
2: kind of stuff. He can do that kind of stuff. Now, we've saw him play two games, a bit of highlights in the preparation to the games, yeah. a couple of half-decent performances on but, the back of that in the next but, round against KC. Yeah, that's true. And he does have ability, no doubt about Pace, it. Pace, good on transition. But what I'm saying is he's playing in the Panamanian League, so yeah. it's going to be a big step up for this lad. Right. Is he capable of stepping up one, two, three levels maybe to be a consistent performer in, in MLS for the Montreal Impact? I'm not so sure. I like what I've saw from the early stages. So again, you talk about it, KJ. Alejandro Silva left. They got a decent amount of money, but he was a quality player. He's an
0: MLS 1 player, mate. Exactly. Is this guy an MLS 1 player? Looks like an MLS 2 player. Sorry. We don't know, do we? We right. don't
2: think so, you know? I hope I'm wrong. But- so they are, but uh, I'm with you. Like, we'd, we've not seen enough to suggest that he's capable of consistently performing like that. And we can say the same for Okwankwo, yeah, who has his moments I like a lot about his game. But he's not consistent enough. Naveela looks the exact same. Then you've got a bunch of academy guys. Schwanier, again, he's going to develop. Shom's more of a midfielder, I know. But, Bayer, uh, you know, we're seeing and guys... affecting
0: Iruti a little bit now, who hasn't scored yet, over 500 minutes, because he's not playing with tremendous quality. Like, I guarantee you, if Piatti's in the game,
2: playing every week... Arruti's got a goal back. He's got a goal because he gets the service. Now Arruti's having to roam around everywhere to try and get the ball and uh, he's he's a very honest player, Max Aruti, but he's taking himself out of dangerous positions because he's doing too much work to try and get the ball back for the team, chasing down lost causes because they're not playing through the lines, like I said, not playing a a, a passing style. Uh, They were always a counter-attacking team, but they played really incisive vertical passes Mm -hmm. to get into good areas. They never... Once lumped it forward and Piatti ran onto a ball and won it back and and put it in the top corner. It was always that that exit pass from a defensive shape that was very good. I never saw any signs of that today, KJ. So I am worried about them without Piatti. And and I think that uh, to me, it's more of his leadership demanding the way that this team plays than actually even his ability.
1: The Champions League semi-finals are set. Any final words you want to share about the quarter-finals before we move into the semis?
2: Well, our friend Stephen Caldwell is a bit of a prediction
0: king. He's going to share that <laughs> right now. Right now, he's top of the table in uh, former pros in, the, in our Premier League predictions pool. Um, Peter Beardsley um, is. I had a good week this week, but he, Stephen Cole, well, let's be honest, at this point, it'd be a colossal collapse if you don't win
2: this. It would it be It would be after it'd be really I've, bad.
0: You know, I'm really impressed. you my mate. I know you well. You've committed to something for 34 weeks. <laughs> that right there is an achievement and you've been good at it. So
2: that's pretty good. I think that's why I've committed because I've been good at it. You've been really good at it. And
0: the reason why I bring it up you picked Ajax yeah, to beat the- Juventus, and we need to acknowledge that. We had—we yeah. both had a sneaky feeling for Spurs, but you went out of the way and you just went, look, Ajax is going to beat Juve. <laughs> and they did, and they were brilliant.
2: Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. What a great side to watch. And uh, I was actually hoping for this game in this, the quarterfinals, Ajax and, and Spurs, because I think it's a great matchup. I think two very exciting attacking sides who are... Um, you know, without sounding condescending, are, are, are really appreciative to be there, to of be course. at this stage of the tournament, and so I, I think it'll be a great game, great semi-final. I love Ajax, KJ. Um, it's pretty clearly of a number of extremely talented football players, but it's the mindset. It's a mindset of a football club, uh, the way a way of playing that is just so refreshing, so. Um, It seems off the cuff, but just so creative Mm -hmm. and fun to watch. And I think I commented on my Twitter. I said something like, um, "Even when they make the wrong decisions, there's still a flamboyance and a panache to it, isn't there? You're you're, you're sort of in love with this team because of it. It is. It's amazing, isn't it? And and it's not. You know, you have a guy like Tadic who was pretty average in the Premier League. Didn't look like he had a ton of ability. He looks fantastic for Ajax. He does. His creativity, the things that he's trying, you can't call him a young lad. He's pretty experienced, but he's went into this environment and he, he he's took on the, what it means to play for Ajax, what it is to wear that shirt. He's came in with an exuberance and a freshness and added his little bit of quality and his, probably his little bit of experience to a Neres Zayich or ZH. I don't know what we call him now. We've called him a hundred names we've, as well. We've done a they? lot of different ones. Yeah. is is a terrific player. Vandenbeek is magnificent. Yeah, our boy he got He's the run. goal, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, your guy, KJ, you yeah, called yeah. him a while back. Yeah. He might just be the superstar to come out of this group in the next few years. Yeah. Keep an eye on that. And you were well ahead of the, the scheme with him. We all like Frankie Dion, but this guy's some player, oh, isn't boy, he?
0: Oh
1: boy, is he ever.
2: Yeah, fun team and uh, sets up a great Final Four.
1: Uh, Jose Mourinho this week said he wouldn't be shocked if Ajax or Tottenham wins the Champions League. Uh, Mourinho obviously going out on a huge ledge, picking a finalist to potentially win. <laughs> but uh, how thanks, do you see thanks, the Champions League, Jose? Jose, Jose <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. uh, but how do you see the last two rounds going?
0: All right. Well, um, before the the, the the brilliant predictor goes, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the <laughs> ring. Uh, why not? I'll, I'm going to go with Barcelona Tottenham final. What do you think about that one? I think that I think. Ajax have had a wonderful run and yep. maybe it will continue, but I, find, I think Tottenham matches up pretty well with them. Yeah, And um, look, I think Liverpool might be a better team than Barcelona, but this whole Premier League run-in is going to affect them. And yeah. Barcelona don't need... I mean, before the last game, they just played a whole second 11 in the league games. Yeah. You know, I just wonder if it's going to be a, an, a massive, massive game for them to come through it. So... Um, and then, and we've talked a lot on this podcast already about Barcelona just having that eye on the prize ever since, yeah. ever since August with this competition
2: yeah I'm glad the matchup came with Ajax Spurs and, uh, and Barcelona Liverpool because I think it's it's pretty much 50-50 both games I'm really excited and I think that Ajax or Spurs can beat Barcelona or Liverpool in the one off final I'm not so sure over two legs great point, yeah. um, so great games coming up yeah uh, like I said, 50-50 for me. I'm, I'm going to go Spurs. I'm with you, I just think they're going to have a bit more. Mm. And I think that um, it's a good matchup for them. I, I don't think the kind of football, the Ajax will scare them. They want to have a game with them and they're more than capable of doing that. I'm with you as well. Liverpool are just a better team than Barcelona for me. There's one guy that plays for Barcelona. <laughs> He's a pretty good player. It's He's called Messi. Team. And yeah. he seems to me like, he feels like this is his destiny. This is his crowning moment I'm I'm by no means retiring the man but this is his moment he's already won a couple isn't he two or three maybe
0: maybe I mean four I think no? oh, has he won four he wasn't playing in the four in the first one that yeah. he injured
2: remember I'm thinking of the two that the beat Manchester yeah oh nine and yeah, eight eleven eight pretty much won the game yeah himself, and then oh nine eleven and then 15 right right because of, they beat course. UV in the final. of course he beat Juve yeah. um so I'm, I'm thinking this is his one where he, he you know he really wants it again uh, so, I'm I'm thinking Spurs Barca final. be I'll fun, be, huh? I'll be disappointed. I'll be um, shocked if Spurs. Sorry, Sean, but if Spurs. Are you
0: kidding? You don't need to apologise. He's just like, if oh, you put, he, him, he, put this I, team in the Champions I, League, <laughs> <laughs> League final, he's going to be on the ceiling. I, I, <laughs> pick, <laughs> I
1: picked them out in the round of 16, of so well, well, I'm the one about the groups, mate. You're just the <laughs> ultimate
0: Spursy doom and gloomer over there. <laughs> Which is fair. You know, I always say, whenever your team's involved in something, never ask that person what you think because they're just too emotionally. Yeah, they just can't. can't give you an educated answer. <laughs> this is impossible. If you're a real fan, you can't give an educated no. answer. If or you think, no. oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to lose. All right, well, you've seen it through a different lens, aren't you? Let's be honest. Yeah.
1: Completely. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has become the first ever player to win Serie A, La Liga, and the Premier League. Uh, does his success across multiple leagues improve his legacy or is moving to the Italian giant like Juventus a bit of a bore at this point? Oh, I'm
0: so bored of it. Bored. Bored. Really bored. Uh, Good for Ronaldo. Um, Of course, like, we, you know, was he ever not going to win the league? Like, come on. Like, it's like they've won eight in a row. I saw that they put out today or eight in a row. Somebody on Twitter, I forget who it was, like crown the glory of this amazing run from Serie B to eight time champions as if it's some kind of success first of all we know why you're in Serie B okay do do you really need me to keep going we remember why you're in Serie B and I'm sorry but like this is not this is not something to be celebrated no this is a problem Mm -hmm. it's a problem Napoli disappointed me in midweek yeah again there were really poor they were really poor talking about Europa League by the way against Arsenal and the lack of success of these teams around them is is an issue and look they're not going to win every league for the next 10-15 years because that's just not the way it is but right now it's it, I'm sorry it's a snooze fest
2: yeah it is it's, it's really boring and I'm not surprised in the slightest that Ronaldo's got a, a title Juventus we need the two Milan's back don't we KG we need the Milan's back we need them back to full force, competing with with Juventus. No disrespect to Napoli and Roma and the teams that have been uh, consistent for a few years. But until the Milan starts spending money and competing with Juventus, this is going to be pretty boring in Serie A for a number of years.
1: MLS announced the plans to expand to 30 teams with St. Louis and Sacramento in the driver's seats to be 28 and 29. Uh, What are your thoughts on the expansion news? And with the CPL launch, we shouldn't expect any other Canadian franchises, right?
0: Uh, No, no Canadian franchises. Don Garber already has answered that a number of times, including one time when when we were in Atlanta for MLS Cup. That was addressed again. So that's done. That's not going to happen. No more MLS um, franchises in Canada uh, for a very, very long time. Maybe in MLS 3 when they've got 50 when we're long gone. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But... um, you've been a big proponent of this for a long time. You've seen this coming for a long time, whether it's St. Louis or Sacramento, it's clear 28 and 29 is coming 30. won't be long after that. Yeah. And then I guess after that, it just comes down to like how they're going to break these up. Because I saw these, some people write these conferences or some people wrote these four divisions as if yeah. it's hockey. Just honestly, I think I threw up in my mouth when yeah. I saw these four divisions and I'm just, it's, it's, um, it just gives me a headache. Anyway, you know my thoughts on this. Please, promotion relegation, get it done with. Yeah. Stop fighting with. Get with the rest of the world. Uh, that's my my point. Um, but thirty teams. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm 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 glad they're going to more teams. I just worry about um, is MLS ready for the dilution of of more expansion franchises because of the 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 quality within the league. I still think the academies are too far behind. There's not enough good players, so you just dilute the the the. Um, uh, talent in the U.S. and in Canada, um, St. Louis, Sacramento. I, I guess they deserve franchises. Pretty good market. Sacramento has been yeah. been strong for a number of years. Two hundred million for a franchise is a lot of money. Having to put up a, a stadium there, two hundred million, buy some players to create enough of a buzz. You're you're half a billion and already for an owner so you're looking for owners with deep pockets that that want this for the long haul that can afford to lose a lot of money for a number of years um and the reason that we don't have any news on 30 is because they're going to ask for 250 million for the 30th franchise or something like that so that's what the delay is that's why this is just seeping out bit by bit because they want the most money um yeah, uh, on paper I think it's good. I think when we get to a point where we've got East and West and, and better competition, it, it might be good for the league, would Yeah, maybe
0: we can stop these crazy flights all the time because these some of these <laughs> yeah. some of these travel it's schedules fair. it's not fair for nope. some of these teams. So maybe we can have like one division in the East, one division in the West, and then maybe only play them in the playoffs. Who knows? Well,
2: uh, you, you go on about your one and two, and I'm totally with you. It would be great. I think if they have one and two, and they. they, they release some of the CBA stuff and they make it charter flights and you know we're going to see a genuine one and two because we're going to see the, the teams that want to spend the money to do things properly well, recruit players already, mate. yeah it is if you watch Colorado they're MLS 3 but within a, a really tight restri- rule restriction yeah you know so if you, if you actually open that up and you start saying a bit more of a free for all I'm not suggesting there'll be no salary cap or anything like that I just mean some of the crazy rules that the MLS has—if they start to, to loosen, you get the Seattle's and the NYC's and the LAFC's, TFC doing what they want. There will clearly be a, a much bigger gap than we're even seeing at the Great moment, point, yeah. and and we need that because we need the, the the franchises that are not holding their own and pulling their weight. We need them to either get out, the owners to get out, or to start spending. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's so, by, sorry, and that by the way is exactly the the what MLS want Mm -hmm. exactly they're not saying it no that is exactly you 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 could have been working for mls right there when you said that
1: (laughs) talking about spending lots of money in an earlier interview earlier this week taylor twelman told extra time radio to keep an eye on robert Lewandowski to chicago in 2020 obviously this is a no-brainer for chicago but do you think this rumor has legs
2: well, Lewandowski still got legs. I was going to say this rumor mm. of legs when Lewandowski <laughs> loses <his. laughs> right now, so maybe he won't come because no. he's still got his
0: legs. Yeah, uh, but he'll be here. He'll be here soon. I'm not sure about 2020, but yeah. obviously Taylor's pretty well connected. But at this point, Lewandowski's 30. You know, like yeah, he's going to get paid. A, he'd have to get paid a ton of money. Polish community, by the way, is big. Chicago. Big in Chicago. It's important It'll to note. It'd be a great signing for them. It would be a great signing, but like, is he? Is there anywhere else in Europe that it might want him first? Like, this guy's one of them premium strikers in world football still.
2: Yeah, this this guy can go anywhere if, if he wants to leave Bayern Munich. And I mean anywhere in the world at the moment. He's, he's still a terrific football player and he's got too much football to, to go to MLS, I think. But this always comes down to a, a lifestyle choice, doesn't it? That's you it. know, this guy's won everything in the game. He's played a lot of football. He's scored hundreds of goals does he feel like I'll have another little challenge I'll live in a a brilliant city like Chicago or Miami or you know he'll have his choice of MLS clubs as well Uh, where do I want to go and I want it just to be a bit more of a lifestyle choice and a little bit of football or do I still want to go to Premier League and sign for Manchester United or Mm -hmm. Potentially Juventus or uh, whoever we could go on on Real Madrid, Barcelona. Everybody's going to want this guy, KJ. He's yeah. unbelievable. He's still got a lot of football. Not MLS anytime soon for it's me. It's
0: score goals if came Can for fun. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> one week left, guys. Uh, the CPL is just around the corner and they announced a 10-game broadcast partnership with CBC Television uh, for this season. Uh, one week away. What are your thoughts on the uh, inaugural kickoff? I just can't wait to
0: start talking about games. What about you? And players, like we don't really know enough about them at this moment. Don't know anything. And they've had a pre-season where it was very little information was divulged in terms of that. And as a person who likes to talk about the game, that's what excites me is let's start watching the football and and talking about these players and and talking about what really is the selling point of
2: of any league in the world. Yeah, it's been pretty secretive. We don't know enough about these teams, these players. And so... We want the actual competition, the games to start so that we can start learning about players and seeing about teams and the way they're going to play and the way they're going to shape up and what's exciting about different markets. So um, that's what I'm most excited about, KJ. I'm with you. It's just been a bit bit secretive, a bit, bit too many details just held back, which I don't like. And that to me is maybe a bit of a concern. I just want to see these teams play and uh, we can start to work out who's good and, and who's not.
0: And next time we do a show, we can talk about actual games yeah the big game they're there so uh thank you to shawnee for our headlines we're still asking you to send in your premier league best 11 thanks so much for sending them in if you haven't sent in yours yet send them in via twitter by using hashtag AskAFP, and you will have a chance to win some kj and caldwell merch why wouldn't you (laughs) want to win that
1: uh shawnee what is the best from this week So we're starting to see a pattern in a lot of these players, and obviously when you're talking about best 11, that's not a shocker. Uh, William Jameson sent in his best 11. Uh, He has Allison in the net, uh, Alexander Arnold, Virgil van Dyke, Laporte, and Robertson in the back line, with uh, Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho, and Ramsey in the middle, and Sterling Aguero and
2: Hazard
0: best one so far, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it's
2: pretty strong, isn't it? It's very good, isn't
0: it? I mean, I've got a question about maybe one or two. Who? But other than that... What's the one or two? Well, Ramsey. Rambo. Ramsey's out. Ramsey's out. He's not in my top... Goalkeeper? Three... Um, teams of the year uh, Goalkeeper potentially I could think of a, a, Maybe one other one That may go But yeah Other than that Like I look at that team William You've ticked all the boxes mate You've got some You've got some of the best players In the Premier League It's a proper
2: team You can see it you're on the field You're happy with Bernardo Silva In the midfield I don't mind that yeah, he's, he's played there He's played there, bit, he's he? played there Just guy. checking Because I know you get really you're, you're being your bonnet About the fact There's too many attacking players Do I?
0: Is that how it comes across? <laughs> I'm really upset now No I'm not I don't really care about that But really Bernardo Silva has played there I can actually see him already operating between the lines a little bit um and basically time Aaron Ramsey go sit down (laughs) you shouldn't be on the field Um, but other than Rambo it's fine maybe Williams Welsh oh yeah maybe he's got a little bit of a special affiliation for uh (laughs) potentially which is fine you know you had your own little players in there in special times as well but um, look if we don't think he should be there we'll still call him out <laughs> but it's a good team I'm yeah. enjoying that and Williams um, done well there He's probably in the, probably on the pole position for some key yeah. merch maybe yeah. who knows um, over to Shawnee for
1: um, hashtag ask AFP uh, Murphy asks thoughts on rumours of Thierry Henry to take over as Red Bull's next manager
0: yeah, this seems to be getting, um talking about legs, this seems to be pretty, yeah. pretty, this has got some some legs for sure. Henri obviously had a disaster in Monaco, and um, Chris Armis has struggled a little bit with the Red Bulls really after last season, who knew? Last season, some of the season, you know, record-setting, 71 points, sport shield, and already a difficult start. So I guess the only thought I would have is that you know, is the mutual interest there, or who's who's the one who wants it more? Yeah, at this point, because I think Henri would recognize that after a, a complete unmitigated disaster that he isn't going to get any big jobs in Europe anytime soon. No, so maybe this is maybe coming from him a little bit more than the team.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um I know he loved his time in New York City, so I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to come back over to this part of the world and. Um, he definitely needs to reinvent himself as a manager after a disaster at Monaco where everything that could possibly have went wrong, player unrest, no results, didn't look like a coach, was was, was there for everyone to see. So, uh, big risk for me, for Henry to come to the Red Bulls. Uh, I just think that This next one for him is is crucial if he really genuinely wants to be a a manager, head coach for a number of years. So
0: any job he takes is a risk then?
2: Of course, but I think there's less risk. It would be safer to pick somewhere in Europe. And I know he's not getting a a big, big job, Mm. but he can pick a job, championship, (laughs) difficult. I'm not suggesting it's not, but the mentality of the player, even although he played in MLS, he probably resonates with that type of player more potentially a a, a Belgian league or something like that. To me, a bit of success somewhere like that gets him up quicker than coming to the Red Bulls to an environment that's still extremely difficult. He had problems with with the players at Monaco. Well, he's probably going to have big problems with the players at Red Bulls if he's going to get frustrated with the lack of quality and lack of, uh, of understanding stop
0: kicking the ball in the stands <laughs> <laughs> First of all, if you missed that if you did missed that
2: you might want to go check that. No, but you make a good point. Yeah, so I just don't know KG. I just um I think he'd need to win MLS Cup to come back to Europe if that's what he wants and, and, and get a decent job. I just don't You'd have know. to do
0: really well. Yeah. Like the Patrick Vieira kind of thing, like yep. that kind of path. Um, finally think thing on on Rio know you and I watch a lot of Sky Sports he does all those Renault Clio adverts yeah. doesn't he yeah. and there's, there's that one that always tickles me like he's driving around and he's like hearing all the fans talk about it and he goes uh, uh, everyone's a manager I'm like you're not <laughs> <laughs> and they keep playing it he got sacked Every, he, goes, on, he goes everyone's a manager I'm like <laughs> <laughs> you did that way before you even thought you'd be a manager <laughs> doesn't look good on your Portier right now yeah. but uh, look no uh, be interesting we'll keep an eye on that one Johnny
1: friend of the pod and my former boss Peter Kelly asks. Suppose you're at Liverpool and suppose you lose the prem to Man City by one point. Who's the one signing you pursue to make sure you have the edge in the next season? Wow. Um, <laughs>
0: I don't think they'd make many. I think they'd be I think listening to Klopp, if they got to 97 points and lost, I think he'd be like, you know what, boys play again next season, do exactly this, we'll win it. Yeah. Um one player I would go with thinking about how slow it's taken cater to get in there, I think they'd like to they haven't really done this much, but th- buy a player from a Premier League club
2: Yeah, already. What about Ruben Neves? Be a good player somewhere like that. Yeah. Like, excellent football player, a player that they like. He's been on the radar for a while. Like, I definitely you know, could see him that coming. a player
0: wouldn't necessarily have to start every week, but what I think Klopp could turn him into like, that what I always say, that good player to go to great, he could go yeah. to another level and then suddenly, sorry Jordan, but like he's been nice servant, but yeah. like this guy's a different level. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Ruben Neves is a different level from from uh, Jordan Henderson or or Milner. He can
0: push forward a little bit. Yeah. He can
2: play at the base as well. Excellent so, player. I think, Maybe a bit crazy thing to say, but I, I think he's got way more potential than he's shown at Wolves, even though he's been excellent. Yeah, I yes. think this guy can can be asked or for Klopp to demand more from his game. I still think he's playing. I think he can be a bit of a box-to-box guy, KJ, yeah, and get more goals and stuff like that. Um, but I'm not certain he's the type of player, that the X factor that they really need. If they're just going to be short, I think they need or Bernardo Silva type player. I'm going to see someone maybe quite outrageous here, but potentially the return of Coutinho. Oh, yeah? Yes. I think they need that type of player, someone that can open a door. Now, does he come back into the same prestige and role that he had before? No, I doubt it. But he could be a player that could open the door. I still think there's a place for Coutinho, and I think it's in the Premier League. Mm. I think he's a wonderful player. Lost his way at Barcelona. He's in the shadow of of greater players, some of the greatest players of their generation. And so I think coming back to Premier League, if I was Liverpool, I'd be, be inquiring. I don't know what the number would be, but I'd be thinking about that. And if I was Man United and Chelsea, I'd also be thinking about Coutinho as well. I think
0: he'll go to United, but there's also Gareth Bale out there as well. Gareth Bale's going to yeah. come back to the Premier League somewhere, isn't he? Yeah. I, I think so.
2: But do you think he would <clears throat> unsettle that that three, the magnificent I three? don't think he'll go to Liverpool. I right. Just, I just think... You think Man
0: I think, I don't know. I think Coutinho might go to Man U. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Bale will go back to
1: Tottenham. jean is wondering, why is there such an issue with Italian clubs in Europe? Is it simply a talent issue, mentality? And do you think that there's a renaissance in the future?
0: Well, I've always wondered why they don't do better. And their record in the Europa League now, which obviously used to be the UEFA Cup over the last few years, has been nothing short of woeful. And again, I expressed my frustration with Napoli earlier. Really frustrated with them last year. We did the game when they got knocked out by um, Red Bull yeah. Uh, Leipzig. Yeah, it was Leipzig. Timo Werner, yeah. yeah. Um, so they consistently underachieve. I'm not really sure what the issue would be. Maybe it is a bit of a talent issue, but I don't know. It's just... Some of these, I don't know. This could be a generalization, so I'm really hesitant. But when I watch teams like Lazio or Napoli, um, this and these are often the periphery or Roma, I feel like the atmosphere inside the stadium is really poor. Yeah, I don't feel like like we well, you know, you and I were talking today. We both separately watched Eintracht Frankfurt on Thursday night. Benfica. Benfica. That. Is a European hostile environment.
2: It's great, wasn't and it? And
0: when I watch these Italian environments, I'm thinking some of these teams who go there, I
2: don't, I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they're worried. It's not hostile anymore. Do you know it? what I mean? I think it's talent as well, KJ. Yeah. I still think they're behind the, the, the truly top teams in European football. Um, I also think, again, a bit of a generalisation. I'm by no means an absolute expert on Italian football, but. I still think their football was just a little bit negative to win these top European trophies. We we spoke all show that the, the themes mean fine margins at this level, and it is fine margins. And, and the brave teams usually prosper at this level. And I, I don't see enough brave teams coming out of Italy at the moment.
1: Another friend of the pod. Sean from Toronto asks, with three matches left in the championship, with Leeds and Sheffield United all squared for the second automatic promotion spot. KJ, how badly do you want to play Sheffield at Wembley in the playoff final? Oh,
0: nine wins in a row, mate, Villa. It's phenomenal. Nine wins in a row. I had spot Sport on on Friday. I was listening to talk Sport. That was good. Um yeah, Sheffield United in the final—that would be pretty good. I think we'd win. <laughs> I think you'd win as well. <laughs> uh, everyone's getting a little bit cocky a bit. I'm a bit concerned now because, like, it wasn't that long ago? Like, we're not that good, and now everyone's like, no one wants to play Villa, no one wants to play Villa, and I don't like that because competition's very different. The season ends, you know better than me. Playoff starts, different feeling, but there is something to be said about momentum. The, the biggest concern is Leeds; they just bottled it at home to Wigan, and as we've said, Bielsa's teams have a bit of a. Bit of a, yeah, a history with that, off. a drop off. So, um, you know, big big
2: games coming up, but it's a great time of year. Uh, the one thing I worried about with you guys was you were peaking too early. Mm. But nine in a row, how many to go? Four or five? Uh, well, play, yeah. By the time you probably listen to this one, yeah, yeah. two, Monday, three, right. okay, three games to go. So yeah. momentum is absolutely everything heading into playoffs. I make Villa favourites right. against right. anybody. Yeah, if they if they keep it up, assuming they don't go and lose three games, if they keep it up and they keep on this run, they are going to be out and out favourites with the size of football club that they are, the the, the players that they've got, the way that they're playing. To me, against anybody, they i I'm already favorites. getting nervous, lads. Um, <laughs> but uh, playing West Brom in the semis would be nice. After they
0: cheated their way against us with a J-Rod handball earlier this season. Do you remember that? The hand of Rod? I can't remember
2: the hand of Rod. <laughs> <laughs> just punched the ball in the net. Well, we, we cursed uh, West Brom at Chalby. We did. Mean, We said that they were, they were our team to maybe sneak into second yeah, And so they just went on a yeah. sack the manager and uh, they're, they're coming back a I little like bit. They'll be a
0: challenge. I like the curses. I, I picked West Brom to go up. <laughs> Uh, Chris hopefully, A- sorry, hey, I need to yeah, say
2: yeah. this so that it's on record. Hopefully Sheffield United bottle it just because yeah. I want to see Wildman's face yeah, on that day. Because
0: he has become unsufferable again. He's not listening.
1: <laughs> uh Chris asks, uh, how much money do you think Spurs can get for Sonny? And where do you think the best fit for him is, skill set wise? Tottenham. That's the best, <laughs> best that's the best fit, skill set wise.
0: Um, how much money could you get? Oh my goodness, like 150 million? Yeah. That's how good he is. <laughs> He's got Mm. everything, Annie. Modern day forward. By the way, talk about the wide players. He can do. He's he's more than that. Annie. He plays plays everywhere. Supremely fit, by all accounts. Saw so a great interview with Kyle Walker this week about how difficult it was to lose. But it's like some of my mates, I'm so happy they're in the semis. And like he says, Sonny's like the best guy you can ever meet. Yeah, in Football, he looks so, it, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Every interview, it's amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. So I I hope they keep hold of him. It's funny how these conversations change. You now there's this
2: guy called Harry Kane. No one's talking about. Him. <laughs> yeah, I know nobody <one> cares. <laughs> no one cares because by the way, Lucas Moore has been brilliant too. Yeah. Few, what was that? A week or a week and a half ago, everyone was doom and gloom. Hurricanes ankle now nobody cares. And some people are saying Spurs play better without Hurricane, which yeah. is just ridiculous. That's but right. um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure all I got a Saulscar thinks the same when he's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Son is a uh, is a wonderful player. He's he's two footed. He has pace. He has the attitude. He can play wide. He can play centre forward. He, he tracks back. Oh, he's brilliant. I would love. See, yeah. I'd love Spurs to keep him because. I, I do want to see this team build and and, and I want to see them spend in the summer. Please spend on three or four players because they'll be very close if they do.
1: Speaking on building from success, Tim asks, this Ajax side is inevitably going to be uh, dissembled this summer. If they could keep together, how good could this team be uh, in comparison to traditional top European sides? Well, the best, uh, the best if yeah. they're
0: given time to work out, work to play together and develop their relationships. But as Tim alludes to, it's just never going to happen. You no. know, they're they they're aware of themselves in the position of the pyramid of football. And as like I always say, there's teams above them and they're going to come down and they're just going to handpick their talent. But you've got to make sure you get a ton of money for these guys because they'll continue to use that money elsewhere. But um,
2: there's probably six or seven of them that could go this summer. Ton of money. They're going to get... oh, don't want to put a number on it, but hundreds and hundreds of millions. Delict's probably going to Barca now. delict has gone. Uh, Van den Beek, Neres, Zayech is incredible. Yep. He's going to go somewhere as well. The fullbacks, Masru, he's a brilliant player. I could go on and on. They're, 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 they're an amazing team. They are going to be disassembled because that is the model of the football club. And right now, there's a ten-year-old kid who's going to be the new Frankie de Jong. And he's coming to Ajax because he knows he's going to get his opportunity at 18 to play in that first team. And that's why they're the best academy in the world. That's why this works because... It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how close they are to winning Champions Leagues or or being successful year after year. They're always going to sell on the talent. They've got a conveyor belt waiting to come into the team, and it's just perfect at the way they do it. And I love how they stick to the model. They never go away from it, and uh, it's just incredible. Other teams should look at it. I can't believe there's more teams in Europe that don't try yeah. and emulate this model, KG,
1: Absolutely. Last question, and thanks, everyone, for sending in, sending them in. Michael asks... With the obvious caveat of Piatti's absence, which player in the Impact eleven is most most needs to be replaced to this team to improve?
0: Wow. Um, well, you and I have talked a lot about this as well. We have a lot of discussions. Azira, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, back to our point about my point earlier about TFC technicians. Ty Dare has been in, inconsistent. Has actually played in a front three sometimes as well to try and provide a little bit of attacking unit, but they need and Piet does a great
2: job at the base, but they, Azir is a runner. He's a Delgado, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, he is. I, I'm love seeing it, KG, because he, he's such an honest player. He is, and he's a good I, player. He yeah. is, and They've I don't done a want good job I to have a go on he's, yeah. he's actually been really good for... The impact this year. But I'm with you. They, if they want to get better, they need to get better in the midfield. But I'm going to call out Taider a little bit because he's been disappointing. Off at half time today. Yeah. Quality player who's been really disappointing in, in the few games that I've seen him recently and I'm hoping on, on Wednesday night when we do um New England against Montreal Impact on TSN that I'm going to see more from him. A reaction. If you're an experienced player on on the, the type of money and uh that Tyder's on. You expect more. You've been subbed at half time. Now are you going to react? Are you going to sulk? Or are you going to show your manager, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to show you that I'm not happy about that. So I'm going to call out Tideer. I'm not suggesting he should be replaced, but need more from him. Uh what else? Aruti, they need more from him as well. Yeah, they uh, do. <laughs> I don't know. Azir is a guy that they need to replace. Them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No doubt about it. <clears throat> Start to get a little bit more. I don't know, but it's a bit smarter in their evaluation processes and trying to get recruitment better yeah. a little bit as well. Uh, they've got some good defenders. Maybe they'll trade one of them to get somebody else with yeah, more maybe. quality They've got, they have got quite a lot of abundance of defenders but we'll see how they go um, thanks Shawnee and thanks to everybody to send in your hashtag ask AFP questions there were a lot this week we didn't get to all of them we will get to some more as the shows go on and as always uh, thank you for listening please make sure to subscribe rate and re- re- review I'll say it again please make sure to subscribe rate and review we are going to start reading them on air so send them in Ernie B says no week is complete until I listen to this podcast KJ and Steven are amongst the best in the biz Along with Luke, of course. No, you're wrong about that. Um, uh, but thanks for the comments about us too. Never realized how much I still had to learn about the game until this. I'm really expanding my knowledge. A tremendous job. Thanks, Ernie. We appreciate the kind words. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Shawnee. Thanks to Clay. Happy Easter, everybody. And we'll speak to you.